Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. title of that song, right? Amazing Grace Indeed. And that's, that's, uh, that's our message, really. That was the message this morning in our, in our Sunday school lesson, and that's really our message today. Even though we're looking at a fishing story, and everybody loves a, a great fishing story. Isn't that right, Jerry? <laughs> Indeed. And everyone uh, talks about, the, you know, the one that got away, right? You know, and, and uh, so we all like a great fishing story. We want to welcome everyone here uh, today and those that are listening uh, by podcast and uh, over the internet. We pray God's richest blessing upon each one of you. And today we're going to be looking, as uh, we've mentioned, at a great fishing story. A fishing story that involves the apostles, or some of the apostles, seven of them to be exact, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter 21. John, chapter 21. Now, the last chapter in the uh, Gospel of John is often referred to as as an epilogue. Like in in the beginning of the book, the first chapter, there's a prologue, and this last chapter is considered an, an epilogue, and it's, it uh, is easily divided into three uh, main sections, and so uh, the, the title of, of the message, A Seaside Breakfast Reunion, and we're going to be looking at the reunion uh, this morning, a restoration, and then a recommissioning. So next week we'll look at the restoration, and then the following week, Uh, the recommissioning. But uh, let's begin at uh, verse 1 in John chapter uh, 21. And the scripture says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, or the Sea of Galilee. It was referred to as the Sea of Tiberias because the the name basically was changed uh, to honor the Roman uh, Caesar at the time, Tiberius. And in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, 
Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. So they went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children or, or boys or lads, have you any food? They answered, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, about 200 cubits, or about 300 feet or 100 yards, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw fire and coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land, full of large fish, 153. And all there, although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at this experience that the disciples had with you after your resurrection, and the lessons that are contained, we pray that by your Spirit you will teach us today and help us to apply those same truths in our lives. That we might be both faithful and effective witnesses of your love, of your compassion, fulfilling the commission and the wonderful privilege that is ours to share your message of hope and love to the lost and hurting humanity. And we pray for anyone listening over the internet, podcasts, and right here in our own congregation who has not accepted you as Savior, that we pray today that they'll come to know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that they'll discover the wonderful love and life that you have for them. May they find hope and peace, forgiveness and acceptance. And Father, we thank you for your holy word to us now we ask to the glory of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the power of your Spirit. Amen.
And so we see Jesus appearing to his disciples. And in that third time, it's, it's the third time that he appeared to his disciples as a group. But notice that um, they'd gone to, back to Galilee, and a lot of ink has been spilled over this. A lot of uh, various uh, scholars and Bible teachers, pastors, etc., etc. Some have been very, very harsh on, uh, on, uh, on Peter and, uh, and the other disciples. Now notice Peter is the one who says, I'm going fishing. But we need to stop for a moment and consider everything that they had gone through over the last few weeks. Now remember, they had been with Jesus for three years and they, they experienced all that he both taught and, and did, the miraculous things that occurred. And then the, the, the Palm Sunday, that celebration where Jesus that came into uh, Jerusalem and, and he was being praised and worshipped. That was a, a very high point in, in their lives. And then at the end of that week, Jesus is crucified. And so they're, they're filled with, with tremendous pain and sorrow and confusion and, and bewilderment. And then three days later, Lo and behold, Jesus comes back from the dead. And he appears to them. And you'll recall that uh, he appeared to Mary Magdalene first, and then uh, the ladies, they, they shared with the disciples, and, and initially the disciples didn't, they didn't believe the ladies. It was too good to be true. And then, of course, the Lord appeared to them. They had been gathered together for fear, out of fear. They were, they were broken. They were confused, perplexed. And Jesus appears. And remember, Thomas wasn't with them. And uh, Thomas was the one who said, well, unless I can, you know, put my fingers in the, in, into the, uh, the holes in his hands, in his side, etc., etc. And about a week later, Jesus reappears. They're all together, and this time, Thomas is there. And so here we have the, the disciples back in Galilee. Jesus had, had told them that he would meet them back in Galilee, and and many have spoken negatively regarding Peter going fishing. But when you consider everything that they had been through, they were up and then down and then up again. And then in a state of, of confusion. You know, if you've ever been fishing, fishing can be rather relaxing. And one writer has said that uh, it was probably rather therapeutic for them. The idea of going fishing. And remember that they were fishermen. Oftentimes uh, the disciples are all painted as these poor guys. That is a mistake. We know that at least one of them, if not several of them, were actually rather wealthy. Now that may be some news to you, 
Levi, who was Matthew, was a tax collector. And what did we just study this morning in Sunday school? Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and was very rich because the tax collectors made quite a bit of money on the side. Matthew, or Levi, was a tax collector and he was one of the disciples. And Peter and Andrew and James and John, they had a fishing enterprise. They were industrious. They were not these poor, poor guys. And so they go back to fishing. And, you know, Jesus had been resurrected and he had appeared a few times to them. But they also needed to eat. They needed to maintain their livelihood. But notice, they go out fishing, and of course, Peter has this, the influence. He's the leader in the group. The rest, they say, well, we're going to go with you. Now, I like what uh, J. Vernon McGee, in his uh, comments on this section, he says, we can't say much about the two disciples who, who weren't named, but maybe, you know, maybe Andrew was, was one of them. But this probably wasn't the most stellar group because you had, you had Simon Peter who denied the Lord. Then you had Thomas, right, who said, well, I'm not going to believe unless I see. <laughs> then you had Nathaniel. You remember Nathaniel when uh, he was called? He said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? <laughs> you recall that? And then who were these sons of Zebedee? You remember them? What was their nickname? Sons of Thunder, that's right, the Sons of Thunder. They said, well, you know, these people, they don't believe like us, so maybe we should call down fire from heaven and have them destroyed. And then you have the other, the other two who weren't, uh, who weren't uh, named. So he says, you know, you, you might have seven rascals here. <laughs> so they go out, and they're, they're fishing. And they fish all night. Now, it's common there in the, in the Middle East to fish in the evening. And they spent all night fishing and caught nothing. They toiled all night long and caught nothing. And then early in the morning, this man on the shore calls out to them and he says, Basically, I'll give you a little paraphrase. Hey guys, have you caught anything? Now, there's a possibility from the Greek that have, have, you, have you got any fish to sell, basically? And of course, they're frustrated and they give a very short answer. No. <laughs> they don't give an explanation. They just say no. And then this, uh, this person says, well, cast the net on the right side of the boat or the, the starboard side of the, of, of the boat. Now, they don't know that this is Jesus. For whatever reason, maybe it was still a little dark, maybe because of the distance, we, we don't know. 
And they were frustrated having worked all night long and, and with you know, zero fish in their net. And so maybe out of frustration or this, well, what can it hurt? They throw the net to the other side. And what happens? Well, a miraculous catch. A miraculous catch. Now, do you have any food? This idea of frustration because they had worked all night long. Not realizing that God had already provided for them. But it wasn't where they had been looking. But they were obedient and they had to put forth the effort. This is where a lot of Christians go awry in their prayer time. Because we ask, but we must also seek, right? And all that knocking and knocking and seeking and asking. Effort. Effort on our part. But they obeyed. They had this miraculous catch, and, and the reward was 153, and it says large fish. Now, if you've ever been fishing, that's important to fishermen. Right? The number and the fact that they're large fish. 153 large fish, it says. Now, there have been all kinds of speculation regarding that number, 153. And one of the early church fathers, Jerome, I believe it was, said that's because there were 153 different species of fish in the Sea of Galilee. But that has later been proven to, to not be correct. But he was, he was making an argument that, that uh, the 153 represented basically all of humanity or the, all of the different ethnic groups that make up the human race. And certainly the gospel message is for the entire human race, for all the different groups. But this miraculous catch demonstrates for us the hand of God at work in the everyday lives of his people. The hand of God at work in the everyday lives of his people. I was just sharing with our little granddaughter yesterday about praying and asking God what career he would have for her to choose but also gave her a little information regarding the abilities or the gifts that God has given because God has given us gifts and abilities and talents. And generally, those abilities, those gifts, those talents that God has given to us is his indication or guidance and direction for the career that we should follow the kind of life that he wants us to live. And the amazing thing is with those same gifts and talents and abilities that he's given to us, he gives us the ability to both serve him as well as to earn a living. And I shared with her that, you know, I, I sing, okay? And uh, 
most everyone who, who knows me knows that I sing, that I, I love music. And I can say this, every opportunity, every door of opportunity in ministry and occupation that I have had, God has opened that door. He's used the singing and the voice to make that possible. But I'm not unique because he's done that to, with everyone. But sadly, most people don't discover it. They don't discover that in their lives. But the hand of God at work in their lives. And then, notice, when they bring in this miraculous catch, when they, 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 they feel the tug on the net, they hear those fish flapping around. All of a sudden, there's one disciple in that boat who has spiritual discernment. He's, he's the one who wrote the Gospel of John. It is the, the disciple John. The one whom Jesus loved. The one who leaned on, on Jesus' chest at, at the Last Supper. The one who, who wanted to know who is the one who is going to betray you. And you see, John is, is humble. And he doesn't want to identify himself specifically. But it's, it's John. It's the Apostle John. He has great spiritual insight. And he says, it is the Lord. And you'll recall that throughout their experience, they had some other fishing uh, interactions with the Lord Jesus. They had some other times when the Lord told them to cast in a certain direction. And when they cast, what happened? They caught fish. And then Peter responds. Peter's in the boat, and he, he probably has his clothes off and just has his shorts on, or a loincloth, if you will. And immediately when he hears, because he knows John, and when John says, it is the Lord, Peter responds immediately, throws on his outer garment, jumps into the water. He's not waiting. He's swimming to shore because Peter is a man of action. Yes, he's impulsive, but he is a man of action. And then notice, when uh, they come to shore, well, well, what is Jesus doing? <laughs> Jesus is cooking. Stop for a moment and really, really let that sink in. I've been studying this and, and thinking about this. Here is the Lord of all creation. He owns it all. Everything is his. He is truly the only real king. And here he is on the beach. He has a little fire going. And he's cooking. And then he, he, uh, he gives them the opportunity to participate. He says, bring some of that fish that you caught. <laughs> All right? Bring, bring some of the fish that, that, that you caught. And then Peter, now Peter, and the tradition has it that Peter was a, a, a large man, a big guy. 
And they have, you know, brought these nets to shore, and Peter goes over and then pulls that net, 153 fish in there. Even if they were only a half a pound apiece, it's still a, a lot of weight. He, he, pulls, he pulls that net in, and they share some of that fish, and Jesus cooks it up. Now, can you imagine what that must have tasted like? Cooked to perfection. If anyone could cook something to perfection, the Lord Jesus would have cooked it to perfection, don't you think? <laughs> and he invites them all to breakfast. Jesus, again, demonstrating his, his humility and generosity, fellowship. But you'll recall that Jesus had given them an apostleship, and in that apostleship, they were to be fishers of men. Fishers of, of people, right? You can read that in the, the other gospel accounts. So, from this passage of Scripture, there are so many different lessons. Here are some lessons that we can learn. First of all, the Lord is always present. God is omnipresent. He is in all places at all times. And he is completely aware of everything going on in our lives. Now, do you read in there anywhere where Jesus rebuked them or rebuffed them for being out there on the sea fishing? He didn't. So those people who want to be critical of, of the apostles, of the disciples, for being out there fishing, they better get their hearts and their minds straight. Because Jesus didn't do that. They weren't doing anything wrong. Jesus himself said that God knows all the things that, that we need, right? He knows everything that we need even before we, we ask him. And God knows exactly where we are and what we're doing at every moment of time because God is always present. He's omnipresent. And then notice, though, that we can choose to do things in our own strength with little to nothing as a result. That's a tremendous lesson here. These guys were talented fishermen. They were lifelong fishermen. That was their enterprise. That was their business. And if I can just put this little plug in here, these guys were not the kind of people who stayed home with their hand out waiting for the Israeli government to take care of them. Like so many in our country. No. They were industrious. But it takes more than being industrious and, and energetic to be effective in the kingdom of God and in the service of the Lord. When we do things in our own strength, little to very, very small results. They toiled all night long, didn't catch anything. That brings us to the third lesson. We can choose to do things God's way. You see, the fish were out there in, in the sea. And the Lord knew exactly where the fish were located. 
So when he says, throw the net on the other side, they were obedient, and they immediately did it. And when they did so, they had a tremendous catch. Jesus said that he was the true vine, and that apart from him, we can do nothing. You follow? As the Lord's church and as his, as his people, as we serve in the kingdom of God, and remember, it is God's kingdom. It is God's church. It is God's ministry and mission. And we're privileged to be a part of that. But we must do things God's way. Now here in the U.S., as well as in uh, Canada and uh, Europe, because of all of the advancements that have been made in technology, and you know, we now with a website and podcast, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, tremendous opportunities to reach people with, with the message of the gospel, to communicate with people. But in my reading, what I've found is that, that compared to the third world, where, where many countries don't have as much access as we do, that out there on the mission fields and the various churches out in these third world countries, that, that the percentage of people who actually come to know Christ as Savior is far greater than in the industrialized countries. And I think I've shared with you before that I, uh, a few decades back, I, I went and preached a crusade down in Mexico, almost to the Guatemalan border, way out in a rural area. And each day we would go in and visit in homes. And there might be, you know, 10 or 7 or 15 or however many people within a particular home. And we'd share the gospel, and then we'd pray. And almost everybody in the home would accept Jesus as their Savior. Incredible. And it's been estimated that here in the United States, in our congregations, that generally you can pretty much plan on reaching one person for every 50 people that you have in your church in a year. In a year. So if you have a congregation of 100, that means that you might reach two people in a year. Because instead of trusting in God or doing things God's way, churches have given themselves over to programs. Now, effective use of a program is a wise thing, but we don't trust in programs, we trust in Christ, in God. So we need to do things God's way. Man, another lesson. We're to recognize and acknowledge the Lord's hand at work. That is, glory to God for the results. God is omniscient. God knows all things. And as a church, we are to seek God's guidance, God's wisdom, 
old pastors and, and teachers and ministers, etc., love to go to seminars and and uh, and classes, etc., and, and learn about all the newfangled ways to do this and to do that, etc., etc. But they ought to spend more time praying. You ought to spend more time alone with God and listening to Him. The disciples listened to what the Lord said, and guess what? Boom. The net was full. It was a miraculous catch of fish. We're to also recognize and acknowledge the Lord's hand at work. Never, ever take credit for God's work. Never. Oh, because of because of so and so. Oh, because of so and so. Or because of of I or me or this group or that. Never take credit for God's work, for the results. Now, Jesus gave them a direction. Throw the net over to the other side. They had to obey, which they did. And the result was a miraculous catch of fish. Yes, they put forth the effort. But even the ability to do that was given to them by the Lord. A direction and a guidance given to them by the Lord. And we as God's people are to acknowledge and to recognize God's hand at work. Now that doesn't mean that we can't congratulate or thank someone for doing their work. I'm sure they were all very happy in the boat. But ultimately, we give glory to God. And then, next, we need to acknowledge that it is indeed a privilege to serve in God's kingdom. We have the privilege of investing in God's kingdom work. That recalls, or let's recall that Jesus, when they brought the fish to shore, he said, bring some of those fish. Right? They, they caught these fish, of course, by his divine power, really. And he says, bring, bring some of those fish. He gives them the opportunity to invest. You notice that? And when we begin talking about investing in the kingdom of God, you know that lots of people get turned off. And we read on Wednesday, one of the commandments, putting God first, worshiping God, and Jesus explained it by a matter of the heart. You can't serve God and mammon or the world or, or money or riches or material possession, basically. Either you will, you will love the one and hate the other, right? Or serve one and, and refuse or reject the other, basically. But it's a wonderful privilege to be able to invest in God's kingdom work. And notice, it's God's kingdom work. It's his kingdom. He gave them the opportunity to share some of their fish. Stewardship of time and of resources, abilities, spiritual gifts. And the list goes on and on and on. And then another lesson. This is a great lesson. They're all great lessons. 
But God blesses his people by meeting their needs. God is the God who provides, amen? He provides. He's omnipotent. He is able to provide. Jesus put it this way. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these other things that you need will be provided to you. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Do you order the priorities of your life according to God's priorities? For some people, knowing the Lord or being a Christian is merely going to church on Sunday. That's it. Now, the rest of the week, they rarely, if ever, open the Bible or, or even think about God. There's so many other things going on every day. Maybe you have your favorite soap, and you know the, the, you know the, the soap opera that you, that you watch, or the several soap operas that you watch, or whatever the case might be, and, and you won't miss that for anything. And you won't even let the, you know, the, the, the doctor's office to, to schedule an appointment during that, 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 well, I can't make that. Or whatever the case might be, God blesses his people by meeting their needs, and he desires a relationship with us. And he desires for that relationship to grow. Now look at this, this tender moment that Jesus has on the shore with his disciples, and he actually cooks for them. He cooks breakfast for them. And it goes on and it says, basically they were speechless. And they were even afraid to speak because they knew it was the Lord. What lesson does this passage teach or say to you or to our our church what investment are you making in the kingdom of God what investment are you making in the in the future kingdom of God all this last month or so we've been stressing the importance of our group grandparents to teach their children and teach their grandchildren because there is coming a time the Bible tells us there is coming a time when Christians and Jews are going to be hated Significantly, They're already hated now by certain groups. But that is going to increase. And our children and grandchildren need to know how to prepare for that. And to recognize it when it comes. They need to know that God, God is able to both protect and to provide for them. And then there's this great big world. Now, I want to thank you for your faithfulness in your stewardship as you give to missions. And it's a wonderful privilege that we have that God has provided income to us so that we can in turn invest into the kingdom of God. And we need to grow in that as well. 
and recognize it as a wonderful privilege. Amen? And so here are the disciples in this tender moment and the Lord Jesus. Now next week we're going to look at a private conversation that he has with the Apostle Peter. Because he has some things to share with Peter. The message of, of restoration. And we'll look at that next week. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. The Savior is waiting. Just like Jesus was there on the shore, waiting for them to come ashore, Jesus waits on us for our commitment, for our devotion, for our willingness to serve. And he also waits in another sense, by providing and ministering to our needs. And maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. Today is the day. Jesus waits upon you. Or maybe you've been struggling in your Christian life. Jesus wants you to know that he loves and cares for you. So let's stand, please. And as we sing, you come and make your commitment, your decision for the Lord. We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.